when you are able to lead up and pitch that vision to your lead pastor, this is not just for execution, but it's for the the journey and the, how we're treating each other along the way. And hopefully that unlocks their their heart and gets them to sign up on a concept. So I've I've always found that to be super helpful. If you're if you're leading up to a lead pastor, lead with that, or if the lead pastor just realize you are going to put your staff in a much healthier position by giving them a concept much earlier. Welcome to the Church Digital Podcast. Through this podcast, we'll talk about the technological innovations within the church. But more than tech for tech itself, we'll address deeper questions. Is disciple making possible digitally? How should we approach the digital mission field? Can a biblically grounded church operate in digital space? Oh, and where does the metaverse fit into all this? Whether you're a big or small church, an established church or a startup church plant, the Church Digital's goal is to help churches like yours learn to be a multiplying church, digitally and physically. Our heart, that churches like yours would discover a newfound focus on disciple making that will revolutionize your church. And now, here's your host, Jeff Reed. All right, hey, welcome to the Church Digital Podcast. Uh, this is a Thanksgiving uh, week here at the podcast. So right up front, let's take a moment here, pause and say, Happy Thanksgiving if you are in the U.S. And if you're like our guest from uh, Canada, well, happy Monday, because it's not a thing. Thanksgiving may be a thing, but it's not. Is Thanksgiving a thing, Ben Stapley? You tell me. Is Thanksgiving a thing? In, in- Jeff Reed, you Americans are um, so thankless. You wait all the way to November to celebrate. Us Canadians, we are so thankful. We celebrate in October because we just can't wait that long in the year. Plus, our harvest season is earlier because it's colder, but we're also a more thankful people. So burn on you. So what you're telling me is you believe that you are more thankful than Americans because you celebrate like less than 30 days sooner? In the, I, I'm yes, not even going to get into it. You know what? As an American, we're a 12th we're, we're more thankful than you are. I'll put it there. In terms you're of a 12th more thankful. Uh, it, maybe if maybe, listen, I don't know. Uh, you, you, we could get into a political thing in America, what we're feeling about that. I don't want to go there. Nobody wants to go there. But right now, hey, happy Thanksgiving at least. And Ben, happy Thursday coming up this. Well, he's in, you're in, in Jersey right now. So maybe you'll enjoy something for Thanksgiving. Giving. You you recognize the holiday, you Canadian, right? Like you're not so biased that, that you okay. So so what is your uh, listen? As we're totally going off here, which is awesome. What does Thanksgiving look like for a Canadian off the rails that, already <laughs> that lives in America? What do you do? Um, not much. I disconnect with my Canadian friends and text them and say Happy Thanksgiving, and then I wait for the American one to gorge myself. So that's about it. I um, I'm you know my my mother's not. Um, mailing me a frozen turkey uh it's just, it's it's it, you know now that yeah it's fairly lonely jeff it's fairly lonely so you're totally a hypocrite because you think you're 12 percent better than an american but you don't acknowledge the actual canadian holiday instead you wait for the american to come around it's true okay i just wanted to get that one out of the way welcome to the church digital podcast this is what this episode's going to be like ben stapley is a very good friend of mine and who has been inspirational in my life, honestly, before I met the guy. And when I met the guy, he was true to his form and excited to have him on the podcast. Before we get to that, though, uh, I launched a book. We published the book, The Church, uh, excuse me, uh, VR in the Metaverse Church, how God is moving in this virtual yet quite real reality. And so that is out there right now. It is a free download. Thank you very much, Leadership Network, for providing this resource free 
to to churches and to people like you. You can buy it on Amazon as, as a, a paperback book. You can buy the Kindle if you want that, but the PDF is available for you right now. Go swing over to uh, thechurch.digital slash VRbook. That'll get you to the right page. The Church dot digital slash VR book. We've had hundreds of downloads already on the book and very excited about uh, the trajectory of it. Some great feedback telling stories of, of people that are launching and running churches and doing ministry and evangelism in virtual reality. And so it's some really interesting perspectives in there. Uh, and so go check that out. Now, commercial over. Let's go ahead and pivot back to the the uh, the hypocrite Canadian in the room, Ben Stapley. It's, it's great to have you on the show here, my friend. Uh, ben is currently uh, executive pastor for a church uh, up in uh, New Jersey, the Life Christian Church. He was down here for a season in Miami, Florida, where I am, uh, working at the, the church that I formerly worked at. So we developed a relationship through that. And now he's back up closer to his motherland, uh, closer to some family up there in uh, in Canada as well. So, so Ben, thanks for jumping on the show here with us. It's great to be here. Most people, Jeff, uh, when they leave New Jersey, they don't come back. I'm one of the few that's come back to the state. Uh, and a quick plug for your book. I got a chance to skim through it, um, but I did dive into theological ramifications of virtual ministry, and I uh, really enjoyed that. So that's my quick plug for the book as well. I love how you're not only uh, practical with your approach, but theological, which uh, generally speaking, I haven't seen as much uh, uh, ink spilled on that topic recently. So I love that. Yeah, there is plenty of room to explore the theology of that. And uh, it's funny, in, in the book itself, I say, this is not going to be the in-depth theological, uh, like there could be books just written on that one topic, but we're going to scratch the surface of it and, and start some of those conversations. So thank you for that. Ben Stapley read my book. Like that's that's awesome. Uh, but hey, so we're not talking VR, if, if you're listening. That's that's not where we're going with this, this conversation today. It's Thanksgiving week, which means Christmas is around the corner. And as uh, and I'm, I'm going to put on my, my ministry hat. When I was production director, when I was creative director, when I was communications director, when I was weekend experience director at physical churches, uh, to be honest, if bluntly a little bit here, I hated this time of year. Uh, this time of year was always difficult for me because everybody ramps up ministry. Everybody uh, ramps up their desires and expectations. And there was just, there was a lot of, of tension and frustration uh, centered around, you know, the, the worship team wanting specific things for, for some of these major events and holidays. Production had their desires, communications wanted their own thing. The video department, the creative guys wanted to do something crazy. The online guys trying to figure out what to do with this. And, and like, everybody ramps. Do, do I get any resources? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the online guys like, you, you want me to do what with the ball of twine? Like, and so I, I Ben, I appreciate the joke. That, that was well-timed. Um, and so like, there's just all this tension centered around this. And, and what do we do with this? How do we operate? How do we work together as a team? How do we align? What does that even mean? If you're the leader in this situation, how do you lead in this? And, and uh, you know, I'm always the guy that's like, let me bring in people smarter than me, people that have been more successful in this space than me, and let's let's learn from them. Thus, enter Ben Stapley into the conversation because I've seen Ben navigate this time and time again. And so I would love to have a conversation centered around that. So Ben, thanks for jumping on. 
It's great to be here, Jeff. Uh, I, just to give some context for myself, I've been doing Christmases now for 17 years in ministry. It was in television prior to that. So I have some, I have some years of experience of what has worked and what hasn't paid the dumb tax a number of times. And hopefully this conversation helps your listeners um, avoid some of the hurdles that I had to jump through or break through in, um, in finding a good work relationship with the teams that are on peer levels and then also up and down the organization to make sure that they're not just executing the experience, but they're enjoying the experience as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation because I'm going to pass on what I've learned to help other people not have to experience the, the pain, some of the pain that I have in learning some of the stuff over the years. So right off the bat, you know, some of the tension that I felt in many ways is a lot, and this is not a healthy, but this is what this is what I've observed in my own ministry, as as well as what I've seen from others in the space. Oftentimes, a lot of these ministries operate in silos; they're operating in separation from each other, doing whatever they want. And in and, and seasons like Christmas and Easter, really, these siloed ministries are forced to work together. Almost, they're shoved into the same room where they have to operate in, in the same space, whereas they're usually able to call their own shots outside of that. What, what does that look like? How have you seen that? Or how would you maybe address some of that siloed approach here? Oftentimes we work independently in terms of some of the teams that you've listed, be it your communications, your creative, your worship, your production, your guest services, and we're off doing our own things. And then we have to throw ourselves together quickly. Uh, I always like to start with the why behind it. And so like, why, why are we trying to do this? Why are we trying to be unified? And so I, as a believer, I look towards the model of our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who's a triune God, different but equal and unified. And that's it was Jesus' prayer, right? His high, his, his high priestly prayer with his disciples in John 17. You know, I want you to be unified and, and to have um, unity just as me and the Father are united. And so when I, when I start with it, I always start with the why. Why are we trying to be united? Because we're, when we do that, we reflect the nature of God first and foremost. So let's, let's be united. Uh, and then second of all, in terms of the how do we do it, um, I've, I've been in work situations. I'll you know, call out you know, when I was at Christ Fellowship. It was, we, were, we were physically divided. Our, our worship department was in one building. Um, our creative department was in a, another floor of another building. Our production was all over the place. We, they weren't even naturally rubbing shoulders with each other. So in terms of if you're looking to get practical right away, the how is get your people in closer proximity with each other, not just when you're planning your big holidays, but throughout the year. Uh, that proximity will build an affinity between those team, team members and those departments. So if you're, if you're already siloed physically, you're going to be siloed when it comes philosophically, when it comes relationally. So, so get people physically to, together, and that will help um, right away dissolve some of these tensions that you're bringing up right now because you just, you're not naturally rubbing shoulders with each other. It's, it's, hard, to, um, it's hard to despise or um, it, um, think negatively of somebody that you interact with on a regular basis. So first of all, get your people closer to each other. That will help resolve a lot of these tensions if they are siloed physically on your campuses. Yeah, I mean, giving the benefit of the doubt, what you're describing here, when you have relational equity, when you're, when you're friends, when you have a relationship with a person, you're, you're more likely to see that. And, and oftentimes in church space, I mean, let's, let's be honest, especially in these creative departments and communication, it's 24-7, 365, you're, you're stretching every resource you have that, that you can get there, but it's hard to kind of take time to, to do that. 
Now, one of the things that, that I've heard, and, and this is this, I, I have felt this tension uh, where I was the guy when I was the communications director, weekend experience director, setting this stuff up. Like, I would want to talk Christmas like in September. I would want to get everything done and lined up so there's time to develop on, on that. Uh, and and I also I know what it is to like look to the senior leader to the the lead communicator and say, hey, what are you preaching Christmas? And, you know, sometime around the the beginning of school, Labor Day, and uh, that often doesn't go over well. That conversation's not not received oftentimes. Uh, how do you deal with the tension of of trying to? When do you suggest that we do talk about Christmas? Like, should we already have the plan? going into Thanksgiving, and how do we get everybody on board with maybe that mindset? Yeah, you've brought up two points that are helpful. The first first is time, and then the second is um, where is the concept originating from? So when it comes to time, a lot of these tensions that you're going to have will be mitigated with the gift of time. The more time you have, the easier it is to resolve these issues. If you have a truncated uh, workflow we're going to all lean to our worst tendencies and the, the, the bad tendencies of ourselves are going to come out. So give yourself a gift of time. To get really practical, um, I like to start planning um, Christmas no later than September because it gets, things get rolling really quickly. Uh, but the, the tension, you know, and I think most churches do this fairly well. I don't see this tension. The bigger tension I see is everyone forgets about Easter. So I'm already calling that out now. That it's, you know, in December, you should be starting about Easter because you're going to you know, take the break over the Christmas holiday. You're going to come back in your big January series. And then you look at the calendar and Easter is two months away. So um, generally speaking, I like, to plan, I like to start planning Christmas in September and start planning Easter in, in December. Um, because if not, you're, you're, you're behind the ball. So that's the first thing in terms of timeline. The second thing you, t- you talk about going to your lead pastor early and saying, hey, what's, you, what's your idea? Can you give it to me? Um, if they don't have something, that's fine. Then you need to start pitching things because you can't, you know, it's okay for them to pull out the, the baby Jesus story and their message that they, they've used probably year after year after year. They can pull that out the week before. That doesn't work for everybody else. Um, and so you need to gracefully uh, light a little fire underneath them and saying, we need a con- you don't need a concept because you can do it last minute. We need a concept now. Um, and when it comes to that, I always encourage teams to say, where is, where is the concept coming from? It can come two directions. It can come top down. So the lead pastor is saying, you know, for this Christmas, um, you know, for ourselves, we're doing an evergreen theme. The, you know, here in the Northeast, um, you know, it's fall season. We're losing our leaves. But evergreen trees stay green all year long. And we're using that as a metaphor for God's love, that the seasons are going to change but God's love towards us is consistent. It stays green. It stays vibrant. It stays fresh. Other things are dying around, but his love does not. It's ever green. And so we're, that's the theme that we're going with. Um, our, 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 our lead pastor didn't have that theme, um, and we had to pitch it to him. So either the concept goes top down, the lead pastor towards the team, or the team pitches a couple ideas. I always say two to three, as if you're pitching more ideas than that, then you're kind of wasting your time. You don't really have solid ideas. You just have a couple of guesses. Pitch two or three solid ideas. And then beyond that, like in terms of a regular rhythm of work, figure out which works for you and stick to it. So, you know, I've been a part of some organizations where the lead pastor is really the creative director as well. 
They have tons of concepts and they want to say, okay, great. We know it's coming top down. And be a part of other organizations or help other churches where the lead pastor is not creative at all. And, and they need the creative department to pitch ideas. So figure out which model you are and stick with it. Um, that'll make, that'll, that'll bring a lot of peace to a lot of members of the team, just understanding which model that you're working with. So if somebody hasn't, like, let's, let's do worst case scenario. And if this is you right now, I'm praying for you. So it's Thanksgiving week and somebody out there hasn't put one thought into this. Man, I don't even know how to start there. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we're all praying for you. If, if, <laughs> if you have not started this process, um, then I would set up a meeting with your lead pastor tomorrow and to say Christmas is around the corner. We don't have anything up on the whiteboard yet. Um, you know, here are two or three ideas that I think will work. Will you sign off on one now or end of day or end of week so that we can start ideating? Um, so if, if you don't have a concept yet, um, ideate on a concept and then pitch it to your lead pastor and give them a timeline that you need to, um, uh, they need to sign off on. And gracefully, you know, sometimes lead pastors don't understand all the work that's needed and the domino effects that need to fall. And the first domino that needs to fall is the concept. What are we doing? What's the, what's the big idea? We're trying to wrap this around that no other dominoes can keep falling down after that until that first one topples over. So, and I always tell them like, Hey, the, the sooner you get that concept, the better the experience is going to be. And more importantly, we're talking about like team health, um, organizational health, relational health, not just the experience is going to be better at the end of the day, but the journey is going to be better. And this is probably like, this is probably where I'd camp out with you, Jeff here is for probably the first half of my career. I, I didn't solely focus on the, the destination, but it was the big thing. How, how is the show gonna go? How, what is the end result? And I paid little attention to the, to, to the, the journey. It was all destination, no journey. And, and because of that, I compromised what God wanted to do in our midst leading up to the show. Uh, I, t- I treated the show as like some big crown achievement. Instead of realizing the way I interact with team members during the process is hallowed ground. The way that I'm able to treat them with grace and respect and dignity and receive that back from them, that, that makes God pleased as much as, wow, we, we, we hit the note on that song and that, that vocal run was well-produced or that video was dope. And I would say, you know, probably at this point in my career, I'd even say the journey is more important than the destination. But oftentimes we compromise it. We compromise it for the show. And so for my lead pastor, especially if, you know, lead pastors are different, wired differently, but a lot of them, you know, kind of prophet, priest, king, a lot of them have that, that pastoral heart. That's why they're a lead pastor. And if, you, and if, you're, if you're having tension trying to get that concept from them, let them know, the sooner I get a, a concept with you, the more Christ, um, the more we'll be able to be Christ-like to each other during this process because we have time to do that instead of just like, give me, give me this final product. Um, when you are able to lead up and pitch that vision to your lead pastor, this is not just for execution, but it's for the, the journey and the, how we're treating each other along the way. And hopefully that unlocks their, their heart and gets them to sign up on a concept. So I've, I've always found that to be super helpful. If you're, if you're leading up to a lead pastor, lead with that. Or if the lead pastor just realize you are going to put your staff in a much healthier position by giving them a concept much earlier. 
Yeah, I, I I love this idea of the of the journey. You know, in my own in my own career, it was uh, you know with the challenge of people process product. You know, and I'm sure you've wrestled with that. Where, you know, in in my life, there were seasons where I valued the product far more than the people in the process. Uh, and then I would value the process, and then process and product. But I was still beating up the people and and juggling that tension, but between the three. But definitely. Um, you know, and I appreciate honestly, just the, the honesty of, Hey, you know what? There are seasons where it's been more about the destination and we really missed what God was, was offering through that. Uh, so I'm going to ask, a um, a controversial, maybe controversial is not the right word, but you can take this many, many different ways. This, uh, this question, one of the things that I've always valued about you, Ben is, you know, and you're the guy who's like the, from, from the streets to the stage, to the screen, like you're always reinforcing digital. You're, you're a, you were you were an online pastor at, at Liquid, right? At some point, like you were, that was that. So, as a digital pastor has been part of your your career path, and so you've always leaned uh, digital, even as much involved as you are in, in physical church ministry. When you're looking at Christmas, are we broadcasting live? Are we doing something different? Like what? When you're looking and reading the average church in America, what are you suggesting we do? Where does digital fit into Christmas 2022? Well, I'd, I'd say it fits in high, high, high um, Christmas and New Year's. If you haven't planned this out, or if you haven't looked at the calendar, folks, <laughs> let, me, let me give you a quick, you know, we're recording here um, in November. But it's, it's currently 37 days left till Christmas. But again, if you haven't looked at the calendar, Christmas the 25th falls on a Sunday. And then beyond that, uh, New Year's falls on a Sunday as well. So you probably, if you haven't figured out. I just want to call out, I think it's incredible that you knew to the day, how many days were left? 37 days. Like that, do you, you, you have like that written down on it, on your phone where it, it's an internal clock. Yeah, I can't, internal. I can't you turn just it off. Know. I can't That's turn great. it off. The, wor- the worst thing is I'll, t- I'll text my team that, you know, and like, you just like, they're like, stop it. This is not, <laughs> this is not giving me the peace that you're proclaiming you want during the season. Jesus is the pr- prince of peace. So you texting me, you know, how many minutes we have left is not. So, um, be- because both of those services fall on holidays, you need to be planning what you're doing now. Hope- if you haven't done it yet, you need to definitely be planning it now. And I would encourage you to lean towards exclusively online services during those dates. Let's be honest. Christmas morning on the 25th, I am not going to church. I- my kids want to open presents on my bed uh, with us and you know gather around the tree and pull out the stockings. That's what that's what they want to do. And I'm speaking as a as a family man. But other people, um, you know, singles, uh, couples, wherever you are in your stage of empty nesters, wherever you are in your stage of life, you probably already have your Christmas traditions locked in for the 25th. And part of those are not going to a church service. So don't compete against that. Don't compete against what people already have ingrained in their traditions. Um, but provide something that is is helpful to, for them. So for us, it's creating a truncated experience. It's for Christmas, a 20-minute experience that we feel is going to hit most families by and large. A little something for the kids, a little something for the adults. Um, but, you know, it's a busy morning. You're going to do your own thing as a family. You may go to extended family that night. But, hey, we just want you to take 20 minutes. Uh, and, this, you know, this isn't live. It's on demand because, again, some people – we're not saying everyone gather at 10 o'clock. It's going to be hard to do that, to be honest. Everyone's got a different schedule Christmas morning. But it's on-demand available first thing uh, Christmas morning. We encourage you to, t- to take a pause. And maybe even before you go to the, the presents and you unwrap the presents under the tree, 
watch this 15 to 20 minute experience that helps us remember that Jesus is the ultimate present. And, and in a sense, um, spiritually unwrap that and enjoy him, enjoy his birth, enjoy the fact that he was sent to earth for you first. Remember that. And then as you enter into this, this gift unwrapping, recall that as well. So that is, if you're looking to do digital well, I'd encourage that. And then beyond that, on the first, um, we're, we're encouraging, uh, we're doing that as well. We're going exclusively online. I encourage other churches to do that as well for the first. That's two Sundays back-to-back exclusively online. I know that might be controversial for some churches, um, but you're going to have a hard draw for people coming out on both those mornings. Yeah, we're the church that, that I'm at, we're doing, we're actually filming our our uh, New Year's Day service. Uh, we're going to be filming that December 10th. And so actually the worship is December 10th. Uh, we're doing, um, and I, actually I've never seen this before, but evidently it's a thing. And so we're doing NPR music style. If you've ever Google NPR music, it's it's really interesting where the in NPR radio stations, they, they create these videos of, of like different, uh, musical group singing and when they do like the artists the uh concerts for the radio through npr like they'll, they'll film it so it's it's a really unique style and so that's what we're what we're filming for it and then we'll film a message i think the week after the 17th uh, to kind of create that so you guys are exclusive online for the 21st 25th and the first um we are doing a, a christmas I'm, I'm at a church plant uh and so like to be honest there's a couple hundred people it's very small uh growing it's been around a little over a year. So we're doing a Christmas Eve thing, uh, which in Miami is questionable because, you know, the Cubans, Hispanic Christmas Eve is a big deal. But we're doing a Christmas Eve service and then nothing Christmas Day. And then we're all completely online uh, for uh, New Year's Day. And so that, that'll that be the the uh, the big push for that. Yeah, so um, we're, we're excited uh, about digital, and, and I think the ideas of, of planning that is digital. You know, there are churches that will, um, there are churches that will do their uh, a stream of a service online. Uh, there are churches that will will do a, a you know a special a recording or a studio recording or something like that. You know, at this point, if you're if you're not doing if you haven't started talking about doing something different, I wouldn't do anything different. Like I would just stick to what your normal rhythm is. Cause I know how difficult it is to set up a, a studio setup, especially if you don't have the culture set up for that and you don't have the experience of that yet. And it takes a lot of time and coordination to get some of that uh, going. We mentioned it as, as an aside in terms of getting resources that people are kind of looking for resources. And you mentioned like, you know, your online pastor is, you know, looking for resources. And we, we made a quick aside, a quick joke on that in terms of, you know, you know, best of luck. And it's the, in terms of collaborative work, like one of the, one of the things I've seen to be successful over the years is equally valuing the people who are performing on the stage and the people who are performing behind the screens. So when I say on the stage, um, your, you know, your hosts, um, your worship leaders, your, um, you know, your, your drama team and, you know, on the stage behind the screen, people, you know, your, your sound engineer, your technical director, people, um, videographers, photographers, people who are, you know, kind of like what we're, we're doing right now, working behind screens. And the reason I say that is I've seen in my own context and other church contexts, a slight, uh, evaluation and a slight, uh, improvement for those who are on the stage. We hold them a little higher in our esteem. And, and because of that, you know, I've, I, when, I, when you hear about people being a diva, 
it's not, it's usually not your sound engineer. It's, it's probably somebody on the, on the drama team. Um, or if you treat yourself, you know, who, who gets to be in the green room? It's, you know, just the worship team in some contexts. And because of that, we give higher preference to those who perform on a stage than those who are behind the screens. And that can become really toxic if, if left unchecked. I've been in part of some cultures where I saw the worship leader during a, a rehearsal, uh, you know, asking, hey, sound guy, can I get such and such more in my ears? And I just like had to talk to them afterwards. It's like, they, they have a name, you know, <laughs> it's not sound guy. And he's like, oh, it's hard to see who's there in the, in the booth in the back. And so, you know, it just, and I said, then, then stop by the tech booth before, introduce yourself, find out who's back there and call them by name because you are not more important than them. Just because you're on a stage and not, not behind a screen doesn't, doesn't elevate you to some higher level. And uh, teams feel that. They sense that. They see that. They know when they're peer level or they know when someone's getting special treatment. So if you have special treatment, you need to cut that out right away, or your teams will never get to a healthy place. And I could, I could go on on this, but I just, I've seen it again and again. And that would be my one challenge when you're talking about how service planning teams work well. We're all on a peer level here. And in talking even about that peer level, like draw that same value. We're all at the same level. What does brainstorming look like? How do you start to curate and capture some of these ideas and bring others in. Talk to me a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah, I, uh, you have ideation and you have execution. Ideation is the, generally speaking, it's the fun stuff where you get to spitball, you get to, you get to dream, you get to throw stuff up on the whiteboard. And then the hard work is the actual execution, getting those ideas done. Sometimes we only invite the creative types, I'm putting air quotes around this, um, to the ideation. And so it's your, yeah, it's, it's those people. It's your, um, maybe it's your worship leader, maybe it's your graphic designer, maybe it's your videographer, but we don't invite the technical people towards it. We don't invite the, um, the, the tech producer or the sound engineer because they're technical people and they don't have creative ideas. Well, first of all, I found that to be a misnomer. I found some of my most creative people in the past have been in my production departments, and they're, they're really, they're skilled technically, but they also are great ideators. So don't fool yourself and think that they're not going to. And even if they don't, bring them into that process because that's a fun environment to be on. And if, if you're only allowing the creative types to have the fun and it's all the technical types who are executing it, then again, you're setting up a divide. Um, and beyond like the, having the fun, it's the camaraderie. We were all in this together. We, all, we are all part of coming up with the ideas. And now we're all a part of executing the ideas. If you, if you make camps, it's going to be felt, and then there's going to be divides, and there's going to be tensions between the two. So invite, invite both to the, the brainstorming process. You know, I've heard, I've heard somebody, some, I forget who this was, but I literally just had this conversation this week where somebody was like, yeah, the first 20 minutes of, of every brainstorming meeting is just trash. It's just people talking and getting comfortable with each other, like throwing out the stupid ideas. And, 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 uh, and I would, I was guilty of this. Like I was the no guy in, in some of those meetings. It's like, no, that's stupid. No, we can't do that. No. And, and to call myself out, having that approach in, in some of those brainstormings destroys the meeting. It shuts it down. And so it's, it's 20 minutes of thinking crazy uh, of just talking and, and almost building a relational trust with this to really get to the point where the ideas start to get good and you, you can build something off that. And so it was, it was funny in, in my life. It was Jared Lovins. Jared Lovins was the, was the communications director. And if you know, JR, that just really dated me because this was a long time ago. 
But he looked at me and he's like, Reed, you're you're a, actually, he said a word I'm not allowed to say on the radio or on, on the podcast here. But he said, he said, Reed, you got it, you gotta stop. You got it, you are you're 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 killing these meetings. You don't even know you're doing it, but you're doing it. And and so, you know, for maybe some of you, you you've been excluding some people from these meetings because they're, you know, the word that I'm not allowed to say on the podcast. Well, guess what? Maybe it's time for you to have a, a gentle conversation with them, show some grace and point out some of these errors and flaws so that they can be included in, into it. Yeah, the, the same premise that applies, the same two golden rules that apply for improv apply to um, ideation. Um, yes, and. So someone says an idea and you're leading that meeting. Yes, um, maybe it seems a little crazy, but like, thank you for sharing that. Yes, and, and can someone build on that? Is there, you know, and what's, what's the and they, they mentioned idea. How do we build upon that? So we could, we could rabbit trail here and how to, how to foster a great creative meeting and how to ideate well with the team. But those two principles right there, yes. And will help not shut down the conversation, but foster it and let it flourish. And oftentimes you have to like, you have to entertain a lot of those bad ideas before you get to the good one. But if you say that's stupid, that's stupid. Then the person who's got the good idea is never going to speak up. So yes, yes. Great idea. Great idea. Even though it might stink. You know, and what else do you have to add that fosters and unlocks the good ideas? Okay, so we've got a plan. We've worked together. Everybody's united. We're all hanging around, holding hands, singing Kumbaya. Kumbaya. It's it's a beautiful time. Uh, and then December 22nd, uh, the Holy Spirit has spoken to the lead communicator. And there's a whole new plan. W- what's the tension of following the lead? Uh, fighting for what's established. How do you navigate uh, those types of? We've all had those types of seasons. Let's not sugarcoat this. We've all been there. H- how do you navigate that? Mm. I stumped them, people. No, it's just um, it's 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 different based upon your leader. And ho- I guess I, I would say, hopefully, before this point has come up, you've gone through the trenches with him a couple times, and you have some relational equity that you've built up. But uh, and if not, then maybe it's it's after if you if you, if you haven't you know at the end of the day you almost have to fight a battle a little bit before like there's that mutual respect and and come out on the other side of it. But it might be a situation where you may need to execute it, but on the back end, um, you have to gracefully say that um, that can't happen again because if we do if it does we're going to lose our staff and like we we. We, we can do what you want us to do, um, but I need to articulate the consequences if we do that. And so I, I think that's probably the most helpful thing that I've come into those conversations. Yes, we, we can throw at the whole thing right now and do that different game plan. I'm telling you right now, we're going to have you know, a couple of our staff members, a couple of our volunteers, a couple of our performers um, say, that's it. Uh, I'm not a part of the crazy train anymore, and I want off. Choo-choo, I'm I'm, I'm dis. Uh, I'm, um, I'm getting off this train. And so I try to gracefully um, present those outcomes. And at the end of the day, where it's, and when you're able to do that and say, really, is, is your idea so great and so blessed and so God-inspired that it's worth losing these staff members or these performers or these people who've invested weeks and months and efforts? And if so, then we'll move forward with it. But if not, just realize that uh, and maybe we should stick with what's going on. And, um, de- de- you know, something's happened here where inspiration's coming to you last minute. What can I do differently 
next time so that I'm able to check in with you. We're able to set aside time praying so that you're able to receive inspiration sooner and we don't get to this position again down the road. So lay out the consequences or maybe um, repercussions or domino effects. Consequences might sound a little negative. Um, and, uh, and then after that, also, how do we change our workflow so this doesn't happen again? And we're not in this difficult moment where the lead pastor has to make a decision. Do I move forward with my idea um, or do I stick to what's already happening? I don't, you know, as, as someone who's reporting to you, I don't want to put you in that position again. So how can I, how can we change that down the road? That's, that's so good. Uh, being open and, and, and honest, understanding the consequences, I, I think is, is a great way to, to look at that. And, and maybe it is worth um, playing the cards, solving the, doing what, what the, the lead communicator wishes. But there's, there has to be a, you know, you use the phrase, uh, Ben, relational equity. There has to be a relationship uh, between whoever's leading the group. Hopefully someone's leading out in that. And it's not all five of those departments answering to a, a lead communicator or an executive. Hopefully there's a clear leader in that. Uh, and have that person that's capable of, of, of explaining and building that relationship with the executive team, the, the lead communicator, whatever the, the, the org chart. And, and, and you know, it's, we're talking all like one way, like uh, up in this relationship. There's also down. Yeah. And I'm a, fir- I'm a firm believer that if God was able to um, develop his plan of his salvation in eternity past, and he knew before the foundations of the world what he was going to do with you and I in our lives, if God is that, uh, that much of a planner, then his spirit can talk to us in advance and it doesn't have to be last minute. So I'm a firm believer in that. But I'm, I am also, even in the midst of that, I am also realizing that the spirit does um, prompt us, provide us, give us, even with our best planning, still may speak to us last minute. So how do we hold both of those intention? And so with, with the teams that I oversee is we're going to plan the lead pastors involved, but you know what? There's going to be a couple of times a year and it's different in different contexts. Some people are, it's, you know, it's all kind of last minute. Some people, none of it's last minute. I think both of those are unhealthy on the ends of the spectrum. So the teams that I tell them in terms of the executing is we're going to plan, but there will be sometimes, even with our best planning that the spirit speaks to us last minute and we're going to follow the Spirit's direction. And what we've invested, we're going, to, we're going to turn the corner and do something differently. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to feel handcuffed to my plan either and not give any room to the Spirit to speak last minute. Now, from my philosophy, it's a philosophy. My philosophy is that's the, that's the uh, exception to the rule, but that exception should be made as well. So beautiful with that two-way communication of realizing the Holy Spirit can't speak on a Tuesday. It's okay. Um, maybe exception to the role, navigating that tension. All of this, all of this, and there's, it's, this is not a, 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 there's not a solution to this. It's a tension to be managed. Uh, so let me ask this. Uh, it's, it's uh, I don't know, January 10th. Like are we, or January 2nd, we come back from the, the online expression. We walk in that Monday. Uh, is it, Full steam ahead towards Easter. Are we doing a post mortem and discussing how Christmas went? Uh, what does what does a review uh, look like uh, in in a, in a healthy creative environment? If it's good enough to do, it's good enough to review. So yes, your big days, your big events, definitely review those. But beyond that, I would say you you need a review system for even your weekly services. 
Um, you know, just a simple what worked, what didn't. Um, hopefully, you spend a little more time on what worked because people want to be corrected, they want to be coached, but they also want to be celebrated. So celebrate your team members. Um, and then um, for myself, this is interesting as well. So not, you know, not just do big days, your Easter's, your Christmases, but do weekly serve a review process for your weekly services. It might be just a 15 minute check-in. Um, but what I've, I found myself needing to give my teams a sabbatical for that. And so what I would tell them is that, you know, every about four, you know, once a month, we're not going to review the service because I just want to give you, I just, I want to give that time off is if we do it again and again and again and never have a break from it. First of all, we don't have fresh eyes when we come, you know, because we're just doing it con- con- continually. And at some, sometimes it could feel like it's just like a, oh, here's the review again. And my volunteer dropped the ball again. And like, yeah, like this is a consistent problem. And it just, it feels like a, a drain because it gets brought up frequently. Um, giving, giving ourselves a Sabbath from that, saying we're going to give ourselves grace and not review the service, I think is helpful as well for the sake of the health of your team. That is great. That, that's solid. I've never thought of that. Never had that perspective. Take a break. Give yourself grace every, every once in a while, once a month, and um, have the conversation with the volunteer, but there's only so often you can beat up that volunteer. So uh, love, love that. In the church world, we're not beating up volunteers. Don't read too much into that comment. You know what I mean, but beautiful with that. Hey, Ben, man, thanks for jumping on and doing the, this podcast with us. Like, I mean, it's always, I love hanging out with my Canadian or formerly known as Canadian, maybe one day, once again, being a Canadian, like, is, is the goal to move back to the motherland to you? Like, do you want to? I still have my citizenship. So, and I, I do not uh, have the privilege of participating in the insanity that happens every four years down here in the States when it comes to voting season. And I, um, I'm glad not to participate in that madness. I was about to say you willingly live in the United States uh, during an election year. That is, I think even, even Ed Stetzer, Ed Stetzer, friend of the show, he's been living over in, in England. He's been six months doing uh, uh, some stuff over with the seminar over there. I think he tweeted the other day he's considering staying in England because U.S. is just that crazy. So congratulations. I'm sorry, Ben. Uh, that's, that's tells me a lot of your, your credit, your, uh, credibility living in America, even then we don't have to. We're joking, but, uh, I enjoy, I've enjoyed living here for the past 17 years. It's, it's been good for me and my family. Very cool. As we're landing the plane here, any closing thoughts? The last one would just be, um, I think as we're, you know, we're, we've been talking about how to unite these teams, these different teams that your guest services, your production, your worship, your creative. Um, the one thing that we didn't say is. Whoever is, two things, there should be one person overseeing all these teams so they have like a holistic view of what's going on and help provide synergy for them to work with each other. And the other thing is that person should be sitting on the executive level because it's such an important role. Overseeing so much of what the church's ministry goes towards, so much of the resources of the church, if they are, you know, a a mid-manager, they're just not going to have a, they, they need that seat at the table to move things forward to have the ear of the lead pastor and to be able to, to champion those things. So that's probably the thing that I've seen churches struggle with where, you know, those different teams are reporting to different people and then that person's not sitting at the executive level. So that'd be my encouragement for churches to consider restructuring things if you aren't currently in that position. Yes, yeah, so much of the church's voice uh, because so much of the weekend experience is where a lot of that uh, drives from comes from these departments when they're when they're operating together in sync, and so uh, you know spot on there with with that feedback as as 
I've spent a lot of my life as the mid manager uh, of of these departments operating that way, and uh, it, I can personally testify it is a struggle, um, if only to make sure that the decision makers actually understand what is being decided on. So great wisdom there from Ben Stapley, uh, Canadian American. So hey, Ben, thanks for uh, for jumping on the show here, talking uh, about Christmas on Thanksgiving week. Hope you all survive. Um, the upcoming month or so and definitely looking forward to an incredible 2023. So we're going to land a plane here with the podcast. This is uh, for Ben. Uh, this is Jeff with the Church Digital and Digital Church Network. Thanks for jumping on the pod here. We'll see you next time on the show. You all have a good day. <laughs>